And knowing is half the battle. That was a good one. Hum. I felt really good about that one. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and this is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing. Podcast. Po- podcast. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> hey, Steve. How does playing in a church band work? Oh, man. It doesn't work at all, Steve. Do you have, do you have band practice? <laughs> no. Is there any, quote, church standard songs most players know? Yeah. How do you Oceans. Choose, how do you choose which pedals you're going to use? Uh, random order. Coin flips. Uh, it seems like <laughs> whatever's you, new. It seems like you mix it up every week. So I'm assuming you kind of just show up and make ambient noise and hope it sounds okay. That's eh, not too far off. All right. This first ad was sent by. Uh, that was a short topic. <laughs> Darren Schmeis. Are we really doing the ad, or you you don't no. want to talk about it all? We'll okay. Talk about it. You're faking faking um, everyone out. I we've been getting a fresh batch of questions about church music because. Because I've been posting little short videos and like TikTok videos of like, oh, here's my church rig this Sunday. And people are like, wait, you play at church? How does that work? And yeah. like we've been talking about this for years on this podcast. It shouldn't be news to anyone. But yeah, we play at church mm-hmm. at different churches. Steve and I used to play at the same church, but now we're at different churches. Rival churches. Rival churches. Fighting churches. Yeah. We, we meet in the parking lot and fight with knives after church. Yep. We're always battling for a sound yeah. space. No, it's whoever has the nicest pedal board usually wins. I I, I think it's kind of an, a funny question because we can only talk about what happens in our churches. It varies so much from yeah. church to church, like style of church to budget of church to size of church. Like it all changes. Like my church isn't big enough that we really feel motivated to practice. There's certainly not enough people. But realistically, only the worship leader is getting paid. They're is the only your, person is your on church staff. Still mobile? Yeah, we're we're meeting in a public park right now. Yeah, they could. But, but I mean, like, even when like you don't yeah. have a building, you but, meet at like a middle school. Usually, we meet in a middle school. Yeah, and we're actually staying in the public park because it'll save us money for the next couple of months. <laughs> If it works, it works. Right, right. We, we were supposed to do our first service in June in a public park, but apparently we didn't get the permit secured in time mm. to do it. Uh, well, so- I think we've got a funny thing going on where it's it's like a community park. It's not a city park. Oh, so it's like it's you. We all we had to do is go ask the housing development. We ha- right. didn't have to go through the city or anything like that. Right, and that's what made it possible. What, what we've been dealing with recently is that a Sunday morning softball thing has been happening <laughs> at the park and there's not enough parking for everyone. But of course we get there at like 7 a.m. and yeah, the softball yeah. people get there at like 8.30. Wait, what, what park is it? It's way out in, in like Scripps Poway sort of area. Oh. It's, it's in like a housing area. Kind of almost, uh, it's at that turn right before you go to like the Costco area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's back there. Geography podcast. Oh, I forgot. I wanted to... I have these LED lights back here now. I wanted to take them off of the fade. There we go. <laughs> Every time I see the green pop up on the camera, I'm like, oh, that looks bad. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so anyways, yeah, every church does it different. 
Like some churches have budgets and the the whole band is on staff because they need to be at church multiple times during the week and have professional practices. And they might even record albums with each other and stuff like that. That's like at big big churches. Yeah. But the vast majority of churches are small. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of churches in America, the world are small and the the large part of the people playing music there, if they have anyone playing music, are volunteers mm-hmm. who are there because they like doing it and they want to do it. And Steve and I fall into that group. And I and I would say, you know, people throw this out a lot. There's this misconception. It, it, certainly, it happens some places. Oh sure, uh, but there's a I think a broad misconception that. Um, you know, oh, church people have nice gear because it gets paid for. No, <laughs> um, no, no the, like, I see that a lot too. Like, oh, it's because their church buys them all these diamonds yeah, and stuff. I, nope, 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 nope. That's I, not I, how it works. I, aside from, um, you kind of like, like you mentioned earlier, the only times, so the only times I've been, there are instruments that churches will typically buy. Yeah. Pianos drum kits, mm-hmm. things like that. You know, the, the PA and all that sort of stuff, they buy that stuff because it's got to stay set up on the stage stationary and drummers, when they come in, they still bring their snare or their cymbals if they want to and stuff. But it's very, very rare for a church to buy guitar gear for the band. Yeah. Unless it, it's like isolation cabinets or something like yeah, that. Or, you know, we, I I'll say, so, um, my, my current church, we, there's a, uh, they bought a base. Right. Uh, because when I'm there, I usually bring my own gear, but actually it, it comes in handy. Uh, when, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, com- like for when we, cause we actually do have semi-regular practices that I try to make it to, but sometimes I don't. And I don't want to take my gear to work and have it sit in my car for, you know, eight hours. So I just grab my little backpack that has a couple effects in it and I play the church bass. Right. And it's not like a fancy bass. It's a, it's a Mexican deluxe. Uh, no, it's not a Mexican deluxe. It's just a Mexican uh, precision special. So right, like a, right. At the time, it's probably like a $300, $350 bass. And it's the churches. It's not mine. And I, that church, that base is eventually going to be ravaged by the youth group. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I would say, aside from the like, like two or three or f- I forget how many years uh, that I worked for a church, like was on a on a payroll uh, for a church. Aside from that, I think I've maybe been in, jeez, oh, like as a say as an adult almost 20 years of doing church music Uh in various capacities, aside from again, like the three years or four years that I was on staff at a church, I've maybe been paid three times Mm. the amount of gear I've had where someone's like, Hey, you want to like, uh, we're, we're buying guitars for the church or we're, we're buying, I don't know, stuff. You want something like, I don't think I've ever even had a, I think maybe at one time I got like a guitar center gift card That's, as a yeah. Christmas appreciation. No, per, per, gear being bought for me has never been a concept I've been aware of in all my years and years and years and yeah. years of playing which, in church. Is, I'm not and saying, of all the people that I know who have played in church like for decades, like it's not something that happens regularly. Right. I'm not saying it never happens. What I'm saying is when it does happen, it's probably there. I think 
Most when it does happen, like they're buying it, it for someone on staff who there it's a be just turns into a tax write off because they're no, buying like, capital equipment. I think when that normally happens in most churches, it's like a gift thing. Like, hey, we wanted to do something nice, right, for this person yeah, that has yeah. been a big part of the community, and everyone throws money in a hat and they go buy them a baby tailor or something like that. Yeah. You know, for you know the the women's uh, group pastor or something like that right. um but yeah it's it's i see the comments online on reddit and on forums and stuff like that of people who make those assumptions and it's totally not what's going on the vast majority of times um also like mainly i think like imagine a church does pay to have a pedal board put together and i'm sure mm-hmm. it has happened like oh we're gonna have the church uh, we're gonna, the the church is going to fund a professional worship pedal board, and it's going to be the property of the church, and you get to use it when you come play. It doesn't make any sense because if you're a musician coming in and out and playing the gear that the church is providing, and they're just providing you with a pedal board, you don't know any of those pedals, right? Those aren't I, your pedals. I like think- you don't have you don't have experience with them to know how to operate a, a Strymon timeline that's been MIDI yeah. programmed or something. Yeah. Like you I, don't I, know what it's going to do. I think th- my church technically owns a Helix LT that basically they said whoever is the main guitarist uh, can take it home and figure it out. And I was like, I already have pedals. Just give me like a DI. Right. Right. Fine. Actually, I, I own a DI, too. I have a Palmer pocket amp. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, what are some other points to tackle? Uh, so oh, so about you know saying, is there any church standard songs most players know? Um, most, so one, I don't know how your sets are. Uh, we normally do four song sets. Yeah. And I can say for the last... Uh, I don't know, six months, eight months, something like that. We've I've basically been working off of maybe at the most a twelve or fifteen song set list. Yeah. So there are songs that like I, I play a lot. It's in some ways it's kind of like being in I don't I don't know. It's like you just have a regular set list that you work off of and or you have a regular rotation of songs. And yeah. I have played places where um or i have worked with teams where uh i actually went through and tracked how many songs we did over the course of a year and it was like 200 songs and yeah it was oh totally like, you ha- might have like one or two songs that become like a theme for a couple months and you're doing five songs so those two songs get repeated like every other week for two months and the other three songs you're doing over that span is a different song. I'd I'd say it's really typical for a church band to have a core group of like 15 songs, like you you mentioned, that gets stretched out because you only play three or four songs a week. They get stretched out and reorganized and and jumbled around for the entire year until you fade into new songs. But there is a back catalog of hundreds of Christian church songs oh, yeah. that get thrown in at random times. And it's like, I've never heard of that. Is that new? It's not new. It's 75 years old. Yeah. The, I've I, never heard I, of this. I definitely struggle. I'm not a, I've never been like a music memorizer person. No, not a, um, in so, no way am I. So I've always struggled when 
Unless it's like, how great is our God? Right. <laughs> Which is like just G, D, E minor C. Um, I've always struggled with, you know, worship leaders who will do a song and then they're like, they just bleed into some like old hymn and our piano player will always like know it. <laughs> yeah. Our piano player is like down a clown and I'm just like, uh, I'm just going to close my eyes right now and I'm going to roll my volume off and just just hang in the I moment. miss hymns. My just chill. The church that I'm at now doesn't do the hymn thing and they don't br- they don't bring them in as a medley like as a modern way. I wish they would do that. And uh the you know the church you're at which was used to be my church used to do that a lot and I miss yeah. that. We'll do I go, here uh, we go we're in some modern song and now how great thou art. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know how to play it. <laughs> I it's, say it's, 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 I feel like so I will say as a bass player um, and and having done both, and having done both a lot, uh, but being mostly a bass player in church for at least the last, I don't know, five or six years, I guess. Um, it's a lot easier to hang on those random song drops as a guitar player because as a bass player, I guess I can like just hang on the root. But if I don't know what the where the song right. is going, I can't do anything. I'm kind of just like you have to know the chord progression G, to make it work. G, oh crap! Is this a four or a five? And oh, oh my gosh, crap! But, but for guitar, it's like G G do 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 do. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sweet pick through this hymn. No, I'm just gonna swell into stacked delays and yeah, reverbs. And yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make a sound. Yeah, I'm gonna make a sound effect it's in here. Key. And you're like, I maybe this isn't difficult for you, but a lot of they're simple. The vast majority of church music is simple because it has to be easily played yeah. by people of all different skill levels yeah. in all different sizes of church. Uh, but I know a lot of church song chord progressions do like the, oh, here's a C with a B bass note over it. And mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. like if you don't know that as a bassist, like you're flying into a song blind and you don't know that there's that that C with a B or whatever. Like, does that throw you off? Like, Oh, that, what, what are um, they playing there? It depends on where it is and how it's being used. Um, I mean, I, I usually work off of, you know, I'm usually working off of some kind of chart. I, I do the thing. So one of the big criticisms, uh, I don't want to, I don't really want to talk about that. All right. Uh, well, no. Okay. So I'll say one of the, I, I use, actually I use this iPad. Uh huh. Uh, on and I just set it out and it has my charts on it and I will just kind of glance down and, and go through it and usually I'm familiar enough with the songs that like I kind of am like I will look down at the beginning of the verse or of the chorus and be like all right this song um, but uh, those kinds of like the slash chords uh, I mean you can I don't want to say you can or should ignore them but if you no I ignore them well you well you <laughs> You should ignore them. Yeah, I do. Right. Um, but as the bass, it, it usually, it you it adds a you flavor You have to choose. To it. You have to choose. Are you going to do the over no, you, or the under? If you're playing bass, you should always do the slash. You should mm. always do, um, which unfortunately, the problem that I have is you don't have a bass. So uh, is there are songs that um, where, screw it. Let me grab Oh my something. gosh. I, I have to think about this. Grab the baritone. Uh, well, I was going to grab the... The baritone's right there. No, I don't want to grab. All right, don't grab the baritone then. I don't know. 
I actually have three baritones in the room right now. I need to sell at least one of them. I just made a, a bunch of crunchy noises. So there will be songs. I'm hoping this isn't in, in, in close enough. That will be like, you know, it's an A, and then it changes to a D, and then it goes back to an A, right? right. Something simple like that. But the bass will just be... Right. And it will the slash will have you stay on the A. And those are the ones where I'm just like... Cool. I understand how this serves like the foundation of the song, but like, can I just throw in a, <laughs> no, Steve, it is forbidden. I, and I have, no, I have had, um, it depends on, you know, how musically in tune your worship leader is and how sophisticated, I, I would say sophisticated. I sure, think that's sure. fair. Like how much they really understand and rely on like, I'd the, say how cool the harmonic are. structure of the song where they go, no, you need it. You need to. I, I need that. I need you to stay on the A there. I'm like, but it's boring. Even especially like something like that because it's like if I'm going up to the D, then I can go. <laughs> Don't bend. Don't bend that much. Right, right. <laughs> For me, like the most exciting thing that can happen on a Sunday morning with a set list at church is you get that rare song that's in a minor scale. Oh my gosh, it's so rare because like 98% of church songs are just right. major scale, might as well be the same chord progression as all the other songs. The, la the last time I think I played a song with you that had a minor scale, uh, it turned out that that song was just Zombie by the Cranberries. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I I drop the cranberries riff anytime I get that minor scale in, the, um, in like in a E minor based worship song. You know I'm gonna drop some cranberries in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so as far as picking pedals go, um, does your current worship leader favor like one or two keys? If he does, I haven't really. Like we are always, always in B flat. Oh God! Like always, <laughs> your your worship leader needs Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that too. Jesus bended. <laughs> um, no, uh, we're we. I mean, I can tell you that the next set that I have is, and I get it. You got you got to sing in your vocal range. You know, uh, it's we just, have a song in G, two songs in A, and another song in G. And then the next next time I play it, we've got uh, three songs in A and one song in G. Yeah, it sounds like you have a theme going. Um, so I think we go a lot of Gs and As and then the related fourths and fifths. So kind of uh, we'll do G and A and then D a lot. Um, but I, I think that what drives that more is we kind of have two lead vocals uh, so it's just, it, yeah, it's like you said, a vocal range. It, it kind of depends on who's leading the song. And then one of our vocalists, our vocal and piano, um, she actually has like a really broad range, and she, but she has a background in like, she has an education in church music. Okay. Or like vocal performance. And so she intentionally is picking keys that are considered like safe congregational ah. keys. So I thought you were going to say she was going to go somewhere spicy with it, but that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, there is a whole thing where um, some artists 
Uh, Phil Wickham is kind is a, is uh, actually two of the biggest ones. So Phil Wickham and Chris Tomlin have both been kind of accused of having vocal ranges that aren't normal. Okay. Uh, for congregational singing, that they're that they're just both because they're both tenor males, right? And um, and uh, so their ranges are on like the high side for most like men and. Yeah. Just also on the wrong in the wrong keys for most women. I mean, it's I like, don't know if that's true because I can't sing. Like very imagine, well. imagine if Sting wrote worship songs, right? Like we'd all be screwed. No one can yeah. sing that way. I can only imagine that, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, I would pay money to hear Sting cover. I could only imagine that would actually be really fun. <laughs> Maybe there's a Sting impersonator out there that can make that happen. <laughs> Um, it would be really fun to hear like certain, like very popular worship songs done like straight faced by popular artists, like popular vocalists that you would never expect to do like a worship song. Right. Right. Yeah. Like Justin Bieber. Oh, just like the Biebs. We got a Belieber over here. Stone, Um, Stone Cold Belieber. He's got... Beebs in his heart. Yeah, I saw that face, and now I'm a believer. <laughs> um, going back to the pedals thing, though. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk um, about the gear. Obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of things out there, and and you, I think you mentioned this earlier. Maybe this was before we started recording. You kind of mentioned that you tend to to want to try out, you know, what's new. Right, right. But um, I feel like for me, like there's. I can always try out what's new, but I, I, I'm not like gonna, you know, show up with five overdrives. You're you not? know what? <laughs> I am. You know what? But you <laughs> that's know what how I mean? you make like, fuzz, Steve. It's by stacking overdrives until there's no I signal could left. Just get a fuzz pedal. Shh! Don't say that. <laughs> I my the thing I want to say is. It's very easy to make fun of church boards, church mm-hmm. worship boards, and be like, look at all this expensive stuff that they have, blah, 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 and this and that. Oh, the church must be buying it for them, and oh, that's money that should have been used on starving people and stuff like that. And, you know, all these are valid criticisms when there's criticism due. Um, but I will say the reason why these church musicians have these extensively fancy boards is because they can is because they can it's the same reason someone who fishes for for bass has some sort of fancy tricked out bass boat that's all glittery and like all these fish finders and you know yeah. thousands and dollars and thousands of dollars in in hooks and lures and stuff like that to catch a fish you can buy at the grocery store for six bucks. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's not, it's not about needing any of it. Yeah. It's about liking it and having fun and having a reason to use it. Like the, the, I think the fun thing about playing at church and the reason that I do it is I get to go play with live musicians Yeah. every week and it's fun and it's people that I like playing with. And it gives me excuse to try out gear that I'm curious about in a really not critical at all environment. Mm-hmm. And so people who people who are already in church and play guitar and do gear as the hobby, they're into the hobby side of gear, 
they have a reason. They have an excuse. They're 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 fishing for that five dollar bass, <laughs> but they've bought a twenty thousand dollar bass boat. Yeah. You know, and and it's like, oh man, you know, I really needed a dotted date delay, and I need a quarter note delay on this other song. I might as well buy a timeline and a MIDI controller, and you know, these expression pedals and some tap tempos yeah. and yeah. stuff like that to chase you know, sounds that they need for two songs because that's their hobby. Yep. And on the money side of it, the vast majority of time, they're using their own money because it's their hobby. They're just doing it at church. And guess what? The thing that we show all the time on this show and talk about on the show with the resale market, you buy stuff, you can sell it these days for almost what you paid. Yeah. Especially there, if you bought used. There, there's a few different angles on that. And the other side about that is... Um, I would say is, uh, you know, people, the big, the big popular one is like the, the Strymon timeline. How long ago did that come out? Oh, forever ago. You know, um, that pedal came out so long ago and it's still a mainstay on like a ton of boards. Now there's certainly people who are always going to chase that thing. They would be chasing something else, right? If they were a car person, they would be, you know, forever chasing their car, like, doing getting a new set of rims or whatever i don't know I don't right know what car people do apparently my left brake light is out also church people uh, they don't party they don't they don't go out and throw their paycheck away at bars and stuff like that the, the, putting together a pedal board is their party right know? i mean no, there, there let, is, them, let them have their fun there is there is definitely something to that as well but you know i was just saying like okay strymon you you bought a time so, so you bought a timeline. It's five hundred bucks, right? It's five hundred bucks, but now you've got the delay. And if you are, uh, and maybe you got a timeline and a and a big and a big sky, you've got spent a thousand dollars on these two pedals. It's a big investment. I'm not sure, saying sure. it's not a big investment, but it's like buying a it's like buying a top of the line computer. I mean, you want to talk about people that I th- feel like throw away money. What's up, gamers? You just bought a keyboard that goes click, 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 click. You know what? I had that in 1996. <laughs> Actually, I, I really like this keyboard. But like, it's just a thing that I don't get. Not everyone has to get it. it you know, it's fine. I saw someone comment one time. They're like, oh my gosh, guitars are like the most expensive hobby. And that person got Dude. like dog piled in the comment section. It's like, um, are you aware of photography? Oh are you gosh. aware of boats? Are you aware of people that do cars as a hobby? Their guns as a hobby can be very expensive. Yeah, like yeah. every single hobby you can get into can become very expensive if you are inclined. If you want to spend the money, there's someone out there that will sell something to you for way more money than you need to pay. <laughs> Because that's how hobbies work. I, I have not shopped this in a long time. Um, oh, that's by top seller. I don't want to like, know if top seller. I want to know high price. The highest price driver. Oh, this golf is stuff? one club. One club. The Titleist TSI 3 Premium. $750 for one club. You need like 10 of these things. Right. It's a lot like pedal boards. <laughs> now, now I know like that is a driver. So I don't, you know, I don't know what other, 
I'm I'm just kind of cruising this site trying to see what other prices. You gotta come get up. the little ball in the hole though, Steve. You oh, I know, to- I know, I know, I know. <sighs> I know. No, I mean, like I used to. I I know about I know about golf. I know golf. Is I, a thing. I guarantee you, if there's enough like fandom for a hobby, there's someone out there selling something for that hobby that costs thousands of dollars, like like skipping rocks. Yeah, I bet you anything there's someone out there making a professional skipping rock that you can only throw once and it sinks to the bottom of a river or a lake and it costs a thousand dollars or something stupid like that every hobby becomes a breeding place for businesses that make products of various different price points so this set is a four iron, a five iron, six, seven, eight, nine iron, and a pitching pit, pit, uh, pitching wedge. Pitching wedge? Is that the word? I don't know why I'm asking you. You don't know. No, I don't. Uh, it's the PW, pitching wedge. Um, so that's three, six, seven clubs. Again, this is the highest price one they sell uh, for this set is, uh, where did that price go? It disappeared. $2,500 for seven clubs. So you're basically paying like $350 a club. Right. It's like you said, that's like a pedal. That's a pedal board. That's a full pedal board. And that's of just, nice pedals. And that's just irons. You haven't bought a drive. Like I talked about that driver earlier, potentially 750 bucks. Like, you know what? Now, is there a performance difference? Um, You know, as a, as a coming at it from like an athlete's as a, athlete loosely as a sports enthusiast perspective like gear like that kind of gear matters but if you're not a pro and you're buying this stuff it's the same thing it's like well do you need like a fender american stratocaster whether you're playing at church or you're playing in your bedroom or whatever do you need that stuff no you can just buy a squire nobody cares what you sound like no, but I could. You know I who could, cares? You care. You care. You know, and, and actually, this was a big point that you're the uh, one having fun with it, so you care. I could do everything that I do, uh, just fine. I I could survive at church, even playing bar gigs and stuff like that, with a Boss Katana fifty, a guitar cable, and a two hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a, a four hundred and fifty dollar rig, and I could survive for the rest of my life playing gigs with that rig. Philippe from Caroline Guitar um, made this point recently, you know, whether it's in church groups, they always say, well, the congregation can't tell the difference. You know, you go to if you're playing bar shows like oh, the guy who's had nine Bud Lights can't tell the difference. Right. If he's had nine Bud Lights, he's not that drunk, guys. Um, uh, he's probably going to drive home. And if he gets pulled over, he's going to pass a sobriety test. Oh, my gosh. Shut up. Uh <laughs> I'm not going to have to put a disclaimer on the screen. Don't drink and drive, even if it's Bud Lights. So anyway, the the point isn't whether or not anyone else can hear it, because there's so many factors in that. It's just like, do you feel good about what you're using? Do you feel good about the gear that you have? Does it do something for you? Does it do something for you? Are Are you you having fun with it? Are you having fun? And I think, are you having fun? I think, you know, people, we have a lot of, you, you have a lot of fans. We have a lot of, uh, do I get to, do I get to have some of those fans? I don't know. You have fans, uh, Steve. That, hey, uh, Steve, of, Steve fans out there. I want to see you in the comment section. If there's, if it's crickets, that's going to be embarrassing. I know. Uh, for the Affordable Board series, 
who are chasing affordable affordable pedals and it's like yo man how many like $20 distortions are you going to buy but when they find that one they're like that's cool right like, I, they, and they feel like they cheated the system even I though they even, just spent $400 tracking even, down one affordable pedal board I don't even think they're they necessarily feel like they're cheating the system I think like they enjoy the chase Oh totally like and that's part of it oh, you totally. know it's, you know, I want to tie this in. Sal Pedroza asked this question. If you only had three pedals, what would they be? So multi effects out. Right. If you, uh, as a guitar player, um, for church, for church, you okay. only could do three pedals. It, I would even say three effects types. If you don't want to pick specific pedals, uh, what would, what would you, what would be the three things that you feel like you need? Overdrive, uh, delay and reverb. Yep. That that is uh, that's it. Do do you have three in mind that you think you would auto oh, default to? Or I've really been enjoying the uh, the the Wampler Bell, which is a Noble style pedal. Yeah, I've really been enjoying that legitimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that or something like that. Honestly, just like probably like an EHX Canyon for the mm-hmm. delay because mm-hmm. it gives you a bunch of options and a tap tempo. Is that a multi effect? It's multi delay, but. Whatever. But it's just, a, I would just didn't want you to be like, HX stomp, no, baby. No, it's just because I would go between a digital setting and an analog setting. Right. And I want to have tap. I want to okay. have tap tempo. Yeah. And then the reverb. Do you remember when we first met and you didn't know how to use tap tempo? I still don't. <laughs> That's fair. When it, I, saw, I need it, but I don't know how to use it. <laughs> um, the reverb. I mean, probably just an RV6 or something like that. Like, this whole thing could be a boss board, really. Right, right. <laughs> like, I just need I need something to do pad sounds with every now and then, you yeah. know? No tuner. Tuners are for losers. You think I need to be in tune? That's natural chorus, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you, you stack enough delay and reverb, any bad note just becomes part of the chorus oh, swell. Man. <laughs> That's the secret. Boys and girls, if you've got enough to lay in reverb, bad notes just become a chorus effect. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> uh, my, Welcome to Church Music 101. Uh, my three, I would say, well, and the, that's the question. Like, I guess it would be what, how, how swell, how, how swell do what is, do I want to be? Uh, it is know, swell it, with my soul. It is swell with my soul. That's a Fox Cairo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably say the Timmy for my overdrive. Mm. Uh, my delay would be this bad boy right here, mm. the Caroline Megabyte. Actually, yeah, probably the Megabyte. Want that tap tempo, and then reverb would kind of depend. If I if I need to freak out, I would probably go with the Meteor. Sure, Meteore from Caroline. But if I just need to like chill, not the loaf, but the, the L, the L from Big Ear. That was a good I choice. That would be the reverb I take. It would be it'd be like if I'm looking at the set list, I'm like. There's a song I need to go nuts on. I'm taking the meteor. We're gonna do this whole episode on church music. I I kind of don't mind it. I kinda, I'm kind of just having fun. I I think that kind of. I mean, I think just that exploring the space. Maybe. Uh, but I was thinking about those like the three core effects because, um, you know, he says like it seems like you mix it up every week. But at the end of the day, like I know when I <laughs> if you actually look at my board, yeah, I I swap stuff out all the time. But it's the same like five effects <laughs> in the same order. It's just different. It's a row of dirt into a volume pedal into mostly time-based effects, maybe a modulation, and then an amp and cab sim. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and then I do have 
a tuner, and right now I have a wall on my board, but I don't typically go crazy with, I have a lot of redundancy because I'm testing stuff out and I'm trying stuff. Yeah. And I'd probably be doing that even if I didn't do demos as a business because it's, a, like we said earlier, it's an opportunity to have fun and explore the hobby and yeah. explore gear and chase tones. And if I've got three overdrives on my board, then I can discover while playing live which one I actually like using live and how I like using it live. And it seems counterproductive. It seems stupid. Mm -hmm. But when you think of it in terms of a hobby versus a performance, it makes sense. Right. Right. It's like I said, people can have hobbies. I, you know, I have other hobbies. Do you have any other hobbies? Yeah, of course. You can't think of any surfing. I surf. I love cooking. Cook is, I don't think of cooking as a hobby, but I guess it is. And there are probably people who like every year they're buying, maybe not, oh. you know, they're, they're searching for that cast iron. Oh, the, that cook, one cast cooking iron. is a huge hobby. How many people have bought Traegers in the last two or three years because yeah, they want to get into that stuff? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm not into pellets. I, I like, the, I, I don't use, even know what that means. Traegers use wood pellets versus like, charcoal briquettes right right versus like just is that what's the difference this guy this guy doesn't even know like the basics of this hobby what's the difference between a wood pellet and then like just buying like hickory boards the wood pellet it has a mechanical feeder on the side and you set the rate that it feeds and burns what yeah (laughs) that's a thing that's a thing Steve has no idea. Dude, I cook my steaks in a pan. We've talked about this before. We got a bunch of comments about how apparently my cooking method, even though it's the same one flipping Gordon Ramsay uses, is a crime against humanity. <laughs> yeah, I have I have I have hobbies, man. I know. I like gardening. We do garden Gardening stuff. Around house, you know? su- I think succulents are slowly becoming a hobby for me. Actually, they've been a hobby for a while. I just don't buy. Them. I think succulents are an evil plant forces taking over the planet slowly. It's a it's an Audrey two situation. Oh, okay. Yeah, movies is a hobby for me. I love the cinema. You like? What, me? Oh, dude, there are probably there are legit people who Star Trek is a hobby who, uh, who probably spend thousands of dollars going to movies. Oh, every totally. Year. You know, the, totally. the $15 whatever movie ticket and a bowl of a $20 popcorn I mean, soda even outside combo. of just consuming the movie, think about all the people out there with a room full of Funkos. Oh, yeah. There's, pop. there's collectability stuff around movies. There's merchandising around movies and stuff like that. It, you'd think like, that's what I'm saying, around hobby stuff. Yeah. You'd think... Like, oh, watching the movie is the only thing you need to do. But the, the an industry grows out of people liking to watch movies yep. and finds products to sell to movie watchers yep. that they don't need to, to experience the hobby on a deeper level so that they can live the hobby all day long. How much freaking Star Wars stuff is out there oh so people can literally live in a Star Wars lifestyle every moment of their day. Hey, Ryan. Here's $5. Go watch yourself a Star Wars. (laughs) Let's try to do an ad or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This first ad was sent by... 40 uh, freaking minutes into this episode. Actually, it's only 39 minutes and 15 seconds into this episode. (laughs) 
Oh, actually. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, oh, oh, oh. this first episode, this first episode, this first ad was sent by uh, Darren. Schmace. What are we doing? Star Wars rules now? Uh, now we're on the first episode, forty minutes in. <laughs> Uh, this was posted in the Fender and Gibson Guitar Trade Center UK by Cell Trade. The PRS Silver Sky is an all-time classic in guitar design. It's as if Paul got things perfect with this design, so they left it pretty much unchanged for many years. It's also the signature guitar for worldwide AOR pop rock superstar. Is that Amer- adult? What's I don't AOR? Know. Pop rock superstar and Grateful Dead legend John Mayer. Well, now Fender have gone and ripped off this classic design and called it the Stratocaster, whatever the hell that means. It's literally a silver sky, but not as wanky. And it has, a, it has six aside headstock, which everyone who has ever played a Gibson knows is a superior design. Um, if you're searching for that mundane nasal John Mayer tone on a budget, you need one of these, quote, strats. It's basically a silver sky if you had made it yourself in GCSE woodwork class. Still here, okay? It's an American standard 2000. Well, you don't need strat. to read the rest of that. We, we You read the fun part. Oh, okay. <laughs> the rest is just describing the actual guitar. But this guy deserves some sort of award in creative writing for this freaking ad on Facebook. <laughs> this is a great, this is one of the great American standard colors too, I think, is the candy cola. I really like that color. It is pretty. It is a pretty color. But I think that's just a funny bit of creative writing. There's really nothing yeah. else to say. He's selling an American Strat at what I assume is a normal price, 850 pounds. Yeah. I mean, it sounds heavy. And at the end, he says, I, I actually quite like John time. Mayer. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I like him. Yeah. You have to like something to be able to make fun of it effectively. Do you think he owns a Silver Sky? He probably bought a Silver Sky, and that's why he's selling this. What is AOR? That this ad is him making fun of himself for buying a Silver Sky and album-oriented rock. Oh, what? That's the joke. <laughs> what? Album-oriented rock is the <laughs> 1970s format. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh man! Uh, imagine caring. I care a lot. I want to know. I'm. Looking we care a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for an example. The most popular artists, such as Fleetwood Mac and the Eagles, apparently. What a weird way to compartmentalize your music. Oh, I listen to album-oriented rock. You're just saying you don't listen to singles? Is I that guess. what you're saying? Like, I can think of album oriented music from any era of recorded music. <laughs> what a weird. It really, as I think go down, music. I think album oriented rock just means it wasn't pop rock. It was like, Oh hard, my God. It was hard rock. It's just such, this is going to feed into the next topic. Cause that's such a snobby way of looking at music. Do we got anything else to say about this? Or no, we don't. Let's do a sponsor. 45 minutes in, we're going to do a sponsor. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Big Ear Pedals. I've got the low fear because that's what I grabbed last episode. Oh, yeah. But you, can, you should also check out the Elf. We already mm-hmm. mentioned it. It's a fantastic, like, always-on reverb. You need to splash a reverb with a little bit of, like, a like kind of like a slapbacky, springy sort of quality that's also, like, lightly modulated. It's just really well dialed in for someone that wants a modern reverb that looks back into the past slightly and then looks to its side 
to the 80s with a little bit of light modulation. And then it looks forward into the future. And we don't know what's coming. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't but know the, where you're going either. The L by Big Ear Pedals. Just Go check it out. BigEarPedals.com. <laughs> tell Grant and Karen we said hi. Don't tell them what I just said earlier because it was a big ramble and it doesn't make any sense. You got anything new, man? Oh my gosh. Are we even going to try to do All anything right, I'm new? I'm just going to do this. Um, Apparently, Sean Wright from Lollygagger Effects died. So RSVP. Yeah, RIP in peace. Uh, I don't know if he died or if he went out of business. Both. But, but apparently, Ed Chu. I heard about it on the Gear Slum. Yeah, Ed Chu is in mourning, and his way of mourning is coming out with a new pedal for raw iron and leather effects. Yeah, it's called uh, the Sting JFET Overdrive. It's got a picture of a sword on it, which is probably the weapon Ed Chu used to mm. kill Sean Wright. You think he put a picture of the murder weapon on his new pedal? That's what I would do. We have no idea what's going on. <laughs> But we were listening to the, the Gear Sun podcast, and they said that Sean Wright was dead and that he was out of business and that there was a new pedal by Ed Chu. We assumed it's all connected. Sean Wright, are you okay? I don't think you're out of business. Johnny, are I, you okay? I think you're still are you alive. Okay? Are you no okay, No one has Wright? any idea what's going on in this bit right now, and neither do we. But we're having fun, and that's what matters. All right, you want to do another topic? <laughs> Uh, well, you took this picture of a Fender 1975 Stratocaster oh, okay. you want to do bridge that. and neck plate for $350. Is it worth it? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. The th- <laughs> like, I get it when... First of all... I mean, these guitars are going for like 3K. So you 3, 4K, you think this one part is okay. worth 10% of that? Let's think about this for a second, Steve. Where the heck did this neck plate come from? Like the three screw fender neck plates, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're not exactly being swapped out with aftermarket parts. <laughs> so why is there a spare? That this could be one where uh, they replaced it with a four bolt. What would that look like? You'd have to like, you'd have to drill completely more holes. change the whole thing. Yeah. But and <laughs> it's. I get that 70s fenders are worth a lot more now. But we we have seen over the years like oh here's an original switch tip from a 19 you know impossible year of the 50s Telecaster and I want $1000 on it so that you can complete yeah. your broadcaster that didn't even have a switch. So what is this? It's a prototype switch tip before there was a switch. You know like things like that. It just feels yeah. really weird that someone's trying to fetch this much money, not just for the neck plate, which is still baffles to me that it exists outside of the guitar. Like you wouldn't replace that. But then the bridge is mm-hmm. part of the ad. I didn't even realize that this style of saddle was what was being used on 70s strats. I didn't either, actually. I always assumed this style saddle was the cheapy, cheapy saddles on the Rogues yeah. and the crappy knockoff. It's like the like weird squash burns and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's the weird square bridge. I have never once looked at that style of bridge and thought, oh, that was domestic Fender in the 70s. Mm. And it's shocking me 
to be having that realization now. <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm ready to quit guitar stuff. Like, is that where this is going? <laughs> All right. Well, before you quit guitar stuff, Ryan, I think we need to talk about our other sponsor, Chase Plus Audio. That's right, Steve. Chase Plus Audio. They make cool pedals that make you sound like... So if you want to sound like that, Chase Plus Audio is head on the over, pedal company to go for. Oh, head on over to chasebliss.audio.com. They make pedals more creative than you are. Like the Tonal Recall. Better looking. And they sound like... You already made that joke. But it's fun. Try it. No, I'm alright. This episode is off the rails, but I'm having a lot of fun. (laughs) It's probably the best episode we've done in years. Alright, Nick McVicker asks... Online snobs and trollers, they can be the worst in the guitar community. I guess it's just a statement. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree, too. All right, let's move on. <laughs> well, I, was, I was thinking about this in terms of being someone who's been a guitarist on the internet since the late 90s, mm-hmm. uh, which makes me sound very old because I'm getting there. I'm going to be 40 this year. But thinking about how much has changed, but how much has stayed the same like, I think the trolling has stayed about the same. Yeah. Like, there's always someone who's just over it and ready to burn the world down because they just think everything that's going on is ridiculous. Don't be a dick. I don't think they can even read that from there. There's a barefoot button that says don't be a dick. Um, but I think what has changed is the snobbery has shifted. Like, I think the snobbery now is kind of quiet and pulled back and more about showing than telling. The snobbery now is, check out my, check out my new Duesenberg, new guitar day. Mm. No, no sweat, no sweat. Where the snobbery, when I started on the internet, was like, bolt-on guitars are not even an option for me. Right. Like I right. refuse to you even think, consider. You think the snob on guitars. You think the snobbery now is more about uh stat like status. I think it I, not not really status because I don't think people are saying I'm rich. It's right. it's more like a gambling brag where it's like, yeah, I dropped 10k on that game. I lost. There there is there is something interesting to that um, because I don't think anyone's showing off status. I think they're showing off willingness to invest in this place back to like the church thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they're, I, they're displaying will that like, my willingness to be part of this, to do this is greater than yours. And I think that <laughs> is the flex. That is the snobbery. Hmm, like, oh, hmm, oh, you hmm. just, you, that's the thing that you got. Yeah, I got the thing that's, that's, at least three times more expensive than that. Cause that's how committed I am to that slight return on investment. I think for certain brands, that's true. Duesenberg, I would definitely say is one of them. I don't uh, even know what the social status of Duesenberg Ver- is now, but for a couple of years, it yeah. was like the one people were flexing Ver- by buying. Veritas, I think is definitely one of those. Sure. Um, I think you are seeing, I think the it it's funny and I don't. I'm not saying everyone who gets one of those is like, oh, they're just ch- clout chaser, clout chaser, whatever. I, like I said, I think it's a very quiet, subdued snobbery where I don't think we're even aware of it most of the time. It doesn't read that way, right? But I'm. What I'm saying is like, man, if I if I had you know, I'd I'd rather. If I had four thousand dollars, like 
like elitistism. Right. But if I, if I, somebody was like, here's $4,000, go buy a guitar, you know, uh, and you have to spend it all. You don't get to keep mm. anything else and you don't get to buy anything else. The guitars that would be on my list, there's uh, probably, there's really only two brands uh, that immediately come to mind. One, Cower. We have, we've had a long uh, sure. friend relationship with Doug and an off and on working relationship with Doug. And, and every guitar I've played of his uh, has been great. Um, and then a newer newer company that's been around for a while, but has been getting more and more uh, out into the the public eye is Baronick. And I think I would oh, be yeah. between those two brands. Um, but then it's like a weirdness because it's not like a known thing. It's like just I think th- I think there are brands that exist like that, and I would say for maybe the last ten years, one of those brands would be someone like Ronin, mm. where when someone walks in with a Ronin, people who know what's up are like that guy knows what's up, yeah, and everybody else is like, what is that, right, right? And so you don't get that immediate like, you know, needle, and, and the other side of that is people will post pictures of someone playing a Veritas. And it's almost, and they'll be like, I don't, anyone know what this is? Like, I can't tell what the medallion says. Right, And they're being totally serious. And the response is like, oh, there's a medallion. It's a Veritas. How long have you been in this group? (laughs) I want to say like the other, the flip side of that, which honestly might be the stronger form of snobbery Mm -hmm. in the community. Because like I said, I think the bragging, the show off thing is more subdued or it's just stat is background noise. Cause we, there's a lot of it and we don't, yeah. we just think of it as showing the thing that we're proud of. We don't think of it as showing off, but I think the flip side is the person on the internet that is just as snob, maybe even a bigger snob, but they're like, oh, I could build that pedal for 30 bucks. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh you, Oh, why would you spend that on like an MJT build offset? You could just buy a J Mascus squire like yeah why why like the the person who has like the cheaper option for everything and is like that the person just throwing money away this is what i would do and blah blah and that is like a whole other level of snobbery well and but the, it's in a different way you know and, and you know it's particularly the first one the second one is a, is a different level of the you know of i have the cheaper thing that's just as good and that one i feel like has existed for a really long time like there's a snobbery um, that's against that pushes back against the uh, the show the show off. Yeah, there's the it, show off, and then there's the snob that is is looking down on the show off because they believe that no matter what, they are better for choosing to use less. Right. Because they figured out that they don't need more. I, I think it's, I which is, it's all, it's fine to use whatever you want to use. I'm not, I'm not dogging on using more or using less, like use nothing if you want. I don't care. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for, um, uh, I, you know, the, for, and Grant, Grant did the joke where he's like, I will send you a box of parts for, I will send you $20 right. worth of parts in a box and build something um, because people are always like, oh, that, that pedal is just $20 in parts or whatever, $30 in parts. And I'll, it's interesting. Maybe interesting isn't the right word, but how many of those people when you're like, oh, how convenient. I have $20. Uh, I'll even pay for shipping. So like $30. 
how that just kind of kills the conversation right there because it's like, well, I could build it for me. Right, right. But, you know. Oh, if it's, you, it's convenient how they completely, like, ignore all the other costs associated with someone making yeah. a living. If you, if making you a want it, it's, I'm, you know, I would have to charge you for my time. Oh, you mean like the builder's doing? Like the builder uh, who's charging you uh, effectively for their time and the time that they're going to spend shipping and putting together boxes and designing stamps for those boxes or whatever. And, you know, selecting knobs and well, maybe that's a silly one, but uh, you know, just these different things. No, like spending time being concerned and designing the aesthetic of a, of any product is, is real work. I can tell you, um, I, I, the graphic designer said defensively, I, um, (laughs) I have in the works still, and I, I got an update on this recently, so mm-hmm. I'll just, I can say this. Um, I, I don't remember how long ago it was now, um, but I ordered uh, a custom pedal from Big Ear. Ah. And, um, and so it's a it's an upcharge on the side, and basically what it is is uh, they will Karen will do because uh, Karen's also I think has a graphic design background mm-hmm. or a fashion design background. So she has a she has a she has arts a, background. She has an arts background, yeah, uh, for sure. And um, I don't remember specifically what it, what it is. And so she will do custom art on pedals for an upcharge. And so she will do like people will send her like here's a picture of my dog, and I want a woodcutter with a picture of my dog like dog painted on it and she'll do that stuff uh so i ordered a custom pedal before the albi was released and said i want a custom albi just surprise me um podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh and and b- because i are at the time i had all the other pedals in the lineup yeah yeah um and i was like just whatever you guys want to do just do it and i what i can tell you is from a uh I am at a point where, you know, it's, it's a labor of, I, you know, speaking, if I, hopefully not out of term for, for a grant, cause he sends me updates every once in a while. Uh, and I think it's, he's he, like, the art is in its third trimester. It, I, no, well, so I think <laughs> it's really it, kicking. I think it's become a labor of love for, for sure. him because, uh, this, he has attempted to powder coat the case. Like, Oh my God. Like, half a dozen times where he was like, he would send me an update and be like, so I painted, uh, I painted the case today and I didn't like the way it turned out. So I, I sanded it back to, to raw and like three or like, like I said, like a bunch of times. So, um, so, you know, I know that this is a process and I know like I, for this custom work, like I'm definitely getting my way more than my money's worth sure. out of it. Uh, but until the, crazy. the it, grant it, cares about getting you yeah. something special. But it's like, that's the kind of thing, like, and again, you're kind of like, I guess if you're buying something that's really mass produced and, um, and whatever, but I can tell you that most of these people, when they're like, oh yeah, I can build this for like 20 bucks, whatever, like what they're going to end up with is, um, do you still no? do you still have it or do I have it that like mix that mixer pedal that I made? Oh, it's in a drawer somewhere. It'd be hard to find right now. I don't want to pick on anyone else in here, but base. Oh, actually, I think I just. 
these in the noisy drawer. So I made this pedal. It's not really a pedal. It's a mixer. It's got a like a JFET boost inside of it. And the idea is that this is an input. No, this is an input and this is an output. This was always a problem. I could never figure out what was in um, and out. And this is a loop. And I originally put this in a finger enclosure that you had painted and drew a blender on, which I still have that case. I do. Um, and the problem is it's such a small case and using this style of jack doesn't work in that size case when you don't know what you're doing. Do you have a screwdriver? I do. I'm picking on this pedal because I made it. And I don't know how to use your... Oh, there it is. It's a switch. And inside the pedal, a block of gold that Steve hid in there. Yeah. That knob it makes this... Nine years ago. Turn. Do you need help screwdriving? Apparently I do. Here, I'll hold this. You use there both your hands. So, I, so I, I, do you remember how long ago I made this? Because I don't. It I don't must. Even, it must have been eight years ago. I don't even remember what the point of this. It was, was. pre-podcast, so it might have been nine years ago. No, was it pre-podcast? It was. Do you remember what the point of this? Like, why did you want this? I want. I was experimenting with fuzz for the first times, and I wanted to blend the fuzz signal with my clean signal. This is what it looks like on the inside. I wrapped that circuit in electrical tape because I didn't want it to touch. Uh, anything I saw, oh, I made this in, uh, 17 November, 2013. There you go. It's the minimum blender circuit. Uh, this is like the absolute, this is $20 in parts. This is what you get for $20 in parts. You get some guy who used way too much wire in his kitchen table and wraps a Vero board. I actually wanted to show the board cause this is just like a, I feel like it took us a, a long time hole. to get here. I know it's through hole, uh, populated board uh in his kitchen table and use way too much wire that's what you get for 20 bucks yeah maybe you as no, an i think most people i think we could agree that like the vast majority of fuzz and drive and distortion circuits out there the circuit oh yeah yeah it could be worth under 20 dollars. but once you factor in the case and the jacks and switch jacks and switches get pricey quick when you consider that thing right there has, this is this has is four, four jacks on it this is probably a five dollar like just the case i think is four or five dollars but each one of those jacks could be a buck yeah. you know like that stuff adds up really yeah. quick i used to really if you buy a, a, an individual jack off of amazon they're probably going to charge you 350 i think i used the cheapest pot i could find also maybe is this a lone wolf audio pedal <laughs> <laughs> is it off center yeah <laughs> i don't even want you saying that guy's name <laughs> Bleep it out. Bleep it out. <laughs> the way I said that makes it sound like I'm going to discipline Steve. I know. I'm going to bend um, you over my knee. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying people can't build better stuff than that. I'm no, not, absolutely I'm not. not the, I'm not the most fastidious person when it comes to build, but... I think we can agree you know, that it's ridiculous to assume... And snobby. That's the circle back. It's snobby to assume that any pedal isn't worth to the, the person or the people that built it, what they're trying to get for it is probably yeah. actually undervalued in their opinion yeah. and you because think, they have to sell, they actually have to sell a whole bunch of them for it to actually be enough value to make it worth it. Like right. that single pedal by itself, everything that went into design it and pr produce it. I'm sure like every person that had a part in making it feels it's undervalued. Yeah. There's a weird, there's definitely a weird uh, economies of scale thing with it all where, um, basically if you're building, if you're building anything, when you first start making them and you're making them by yourself and you only have to make like 10 at a time or whatever, 
you can make a really good return and profit, right? But once you get to a point where it becomes very time consuming and now you have to make like 50 at a time instead of 10 at a time, like you actually start losing money. Right. Um, because it's so it becomes so time consuming. And so you kind of like have to either raise your prices or you have to figure out a way to like really streamline your processes. And, and you know, that's a thing where, again, when you say, well, I can build one of those for like $20 in parts, it's like, okay, but this company is building like hundreds of them. And also if it ever breaks, a lot of these companies will be like, we'll just send it back and we'll either send you a new one or, we'll, or we will fix it or whatever. So I don't know. That's Anyways, all I got, man. Snobs, elitists, whoever you're looking at, they're just having fun too. And I'm glad that they're out there. I hope they're having fun. I, I, hope, I, 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 I do. I hope I hope. I think that I think there are legitimately some people who think that they're trolling and when it doesn't work, they're legitimately frustrated by it. And I think it like backfires on them more often than it plays out. The fandom and the snobbery and the elitism and all the personalities going on on the in the guitar communities online is also the hobby. It's what makes it the vibrant living thing that it is yeah but and i would be so sad if it disappeared if snobbery and trolls and all that everything that you think is negative on on guitar internet disappeared <laughs> i would be so bored i'd probably quit leave rude and nasty comments for ryan <laughs> why do you think i asked for him um you ready to do some housekeeping <laughs> yeah let's wrap this up let's uh, uh let's not even do the last ad let's all right just wrap let's, it up uh, if you want to help support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcast 60 cycle humcast where for as little as a dollar a month, you can uh, throw a little cash our way. We really appreciate it. This song. I don't think I picked a song. Uh, this song was sent to us by, I didn't pick a song. Uh, let's do this one back here. Sometimes I'll go backwards a little people bit. People accuse me of being drunk on yeah. camera. What do you think I'm drinking out of this? This is always water. <laughs> like, I wonder if people think that I'm getting drunk out of this. It's always water. Uh, Philip Laclede says, hi again. Heard you needed some more songs. So here I am supplying more dad jams. I've started to have some fun sampling out the riffs. I noodle out. It's like you don't even need to practice at all. It's a song about summertime and grilling. Uh, I like it already. Food is a hobby, Steve. I'm, video is not available. Oh, Great. It's okay. I've got a wave. A, wa a wav. I've got a wave too. Is it a wav? You want to see my MP3? <laughs> what? <laughs> that sounded like a threatening euphemism.
is a wind sound over it. fun you think that guy likes compressors <laughs> well he's he made you know the comment on it was that it's it's like uh all samples like he played, ah he like well i don't know if it's all samples but it's like he played some parts and then he resampled it all that's what i'm assuming he yeah. resampled it all to make the rest of the song i really liked those those hard paused beats where yeah. they lasted just a bit longer than you expected them to and you're like Oh, is it going to come back? And then it comes back. Like, that was fun. Yeah. I really yeah. liked that. That was cool. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Stay grounded. <laughs>